you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth Hello, everyone. Another amazing summer week has passed us by, and I love being here with you. I have a whole mailbag of questions, but before I dive in, let me tell you what's going on in my design world. It is a busy, busy time over here. Not only are we currently recruiting for new designers for Washington, D.C., yes, we are expanding. We are going to be training designers in September so that they have boots on the ground ready to transform your spaces in the Washington. DC area by October 1st. That means in time for the holiday season. That means in time for a fresh look for the new year. I'm really excited about where that's going. We're also ramping up in London. Kelsey has been over there for a year now and she is ready to accelerate and take lots of new clients. So it looks like August and September are going to be ones of great growth. We just hired three new designers here in the New York City area and I can't wait to see what this year brings. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'm still designing Fast and Furious. Yesterday, I revisited three former clients, and nothing brings me more joy, seriously nothing, than working with a client for another time, for seeing them again. Because with our model, we only see them once. Then we create the design plan, we create the vision, and they bring it to life. We give them the shopping list, the floor plans, the mood boards, so that they can take the pieces that they're ready to move forward with and install them in a time frame and with a budget that feels right for them. But that means that we don't see them again. That means that we don't get to see what happened. So it's very rewarding when I can go back to their space and when I can check up on them and when I can see what's new. And I had one client who hired me just to go back and tape off all of her beautiful paintings because she's a fine artist in addition to being a doctor. I had another client in Brooklyn who moved from a small apartment in Park Slope to a huge brownstone in South Slope. And it was really exciting to see their evolution because I remember working with her when she was pregnant and she has a four-year-old now and to see not only the growth of her family but all the also the expansion of her space was really rewarding and to place all the things that we'd purchased before in new areas in this space is 
exciting because you realize you don't have to buy all new things when you move. You don't have to tailor choose those items that you're going to be putting in your new space. You can make a lot of what you currently have work if you think outside the room. You know, what used to work in your living room as an end table, well, in her case, let me just use a specific example because it was yesterday. She had two nightstands. Well, in her new brownstone, she has a radiator where one of the nightstands should go. So she has this spare nightstand. Well, why can't we move it downstairs to the parlor of this brownstone to the current living room and use it as an end table? I love thinking outside the box or thinking outside the room in this case and repurposing items that can easily work in other spaces. For instance, she had some beautiful light fixtures that the previous homeowner had left, but she felt like the dining room one didn't give her enough light for the dining room because, you know, in a dining space, there's not a lot of opportunities for lamps. So we took the dining fixture, we moved it into the living room where now it will have a lot of opportunity for lamps. So you won't be relying on that fixture alone. Then we moved the living room fixture, which had a lot of wattage to the dining room. And all of a sudden we solved two problems with the same fixtures without really spending much money, just the cost of taking one down, putting one up. So there you go. Uh, And then the last client I worked with, oh, yes, they had an apartment that had been in their family for years and they just wanted me to stage it because they tried to sell it empty and it was not moving. And it's a beautiful three-bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side. There is no reason why this place should be languishing with that much square footage in that hot a neighborhood. So they decided, you know what, it's time to invest in staging this space. And I had previously designed their Montauk Beach House and they were like, well, well, let's have Betsy do it. And the exciting thing about that is I can create an entire design plan for all the rooms and then they can buy those items that are most crucial, that mirror that will reflect the daylight, that will show the future buyer how much light this room can get, that big rug that will cover the dated tiles so that way they're not as much of a feature when the client is walking through, when they're looking and seeing, hmm, do I want to buy this space? Oh, there's a beautiful rug and not just square feet of subpar tile. So staging can really add value and I hope that the design we create sells this place with a quickness. That's what I'm currently working on. Let's get to what you're currently working on. Let me dig in my mailbag and see what's going on. My first question comes from Kyla. Kyla writes, Hey Betsy, my fiance and I are renting a room in a gorgeous 1930s Sears catalog house. Now don't get me wrong, I love it, but there are some problems. Like we are renting one room, two adults in one 12 foot by 12 foot room. Space and organization are tricky things to come by and they're hard to enforce because God love him, my fiance is a messy, messy man. We've both come into this living arrangement after being on our own before, so we've had separate apartments filled with all the things apartments should be filled with. Since our lovely, no sarcasm, roommates have the rest of the house fully furnished, we have donated everything but a bed and a few bookcases. That being said, we are both eclectic, nerdy people who love our books, our video games, our cosplay, our crafting time, and fandom memorabilia. So storage is still a constant problem. We also have very different design styles. I would love to utilize the crown molding in our space to give it a rustic farmhouse look, while he would honestly be happy to live in a spaceship. I am at a loss of how to tackle storage in a rented space with plaster walls that we cannot drill into and blend our design styles seriously. How does one create the farmhouse in a space look? 
I feel like I've tried everything. I now only own the things that bring me joy or are utilitarian necessities. I've drawn out floor plans and moved furniture. I've come up with storage so creative that Martha Stewart would swoon. And yet here we are. I just have no idea what to do. Help me, Betsy Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. Also, thank you so much for everything you do to put my anxious brain at ease and inspire me. Your podcast has gotten me through many a ruthless cleaning day. The very best to you and yours, Kyla. Kyla, I am happy to help you out, and I do have some thoughts. But first of all, let me go back to my tried and true analogy that I'm sure you've read in my book or heard before on my podcast. But you're entering into a relationship. Now, of course, you're in a relationship with your fiance, but you're also entering into a relationship with your new 12 foot by 12 foot space. And that is not very big for two people, as you already know. And when you enter into a relationship with somebody, you need to make sure that the things that you ask of them don't exceed their capabilities. In other words, I'm not going to ask my husband to reorganize our kitchen cupboards because that exceeds his capabilities. He is not very good at organizing things. That is not going to be in his wheelhouse and it's going to create friction in our relationship. Well, no matter how many ways you slice and dice this 12 foot by 12 foot space, it is not going to be able to do everything that your previous two apartments could do. And I realize that you already realize that intellectually, but my concern is that you are not surrendering to what is. Now, hopefully, by downsizing from two apartments to one shared room, you have some extra money left over. Because I think that you are asking too much of this room, just like asking too much of a relationship, which will cause it to not work, cause resentments to build, and cause nothing to ever feel comfortable. I think you need an outside storage space. I think that you need a storage space for those cosplay costumes that maybe you only use when there's comic-con on uh i think that you need an outdoor storage space for those extra books that you're not reading all the time but you don't want to get rid of because i think marie kondo is great only keeping things that bring you joy only keeping things that are essential but the problem with that in such a small space is that then you don't get to keep anything and it sounds like you guys get a lot of joy from that memorabilia from those video games but maybe you're not constantly playing them or maybe you can put them on ice or in that storage facility that you can access twice a year while you figure out how to get a bigger space because frankly, I think that's the solution. I mean, I could tell you, and you probably know since you said you've created Martha Stewart-worthy designs, but I could tell you to put your mattress on a metal bed frame and then to get a bed skirt and to store bins with your additional video games or controllers or costumes under there. I could tell you to get a freestanding wardrobe. I could tell you to climb the walls and make use of the verticality with bookcases. But the problem with all of that is it's still a 12 by 12 space. It's not going to solve your problems. You need a bigger space and until you can get one, you need to put some of that amazing joyful necessity stuff in a storage unit. And before I go, you mentioned wanting to have a farmhouse in space, that that felt like a style that would resonate for both you and for your partner. And you know that I design when I'm looking for a style or trying to capture the essence of two people or even one, I use my two-word phrase method. The first word 
is the style of the space. The second word is how you want to feel in this space. And I highly recommend coming together as a unit and agreeing on this two-word phrase before you move forward. Now, farmhouse and space or spaceship are two different style words. I can easily visualize the style for a farmhouse, easily visualize the style of a spaceship, But I don't get a feeling word from there. And when you have two style words, they're going to constantly combat. So select one that's more important. And I do think the spaceship one is um, less easy to buy things for. But is there a way to sum up what he's trying to do with that spaceship in a feeling word? Like maybe he wants it to feel, um, hmm otherworldly or you know it sounds like he just wants it to feel really unique very eclectic very you guys but maybe there's one kind of aspect that you could latch on to uh or maybe you want it to feel kind of worn or distressed or um lived in you know so maybe that feeling word could be kind of lived in or comfortable and he could take over with um the jetsons right and that could be the style you guys will figure it out but i wouldn't try to do everything in this one space i would basically try and get along with the roommates try and make your room feel comfortable for both of you and save all those delicious ideas, all those amazingly unique design styles for your next space. When you get your very own 1930s Sears catalog home and you can design multiple rooms and he can have his spaceship man cave, just like my husband has his movie room that's movie and popcorn themed, right? So you'll think of what's right for you, but let's not try to accomplish everything else. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and the Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right. My next question comes from Tarina. Tarina writes, Hi, Betsy. Thanks for all the great content you put out in your podcast and your Facebook Lives. I love listening. We will soon be moving into a home that requires a lot of renovation. And before I decide on anything else, I'm stuck on the living room layout. In the attached pictures, you'll see it's a large L-shaped room. I've read your book, 
And I know your rules about positioning, about the couch and the TV, but it is such an oddly shaped large room that I can't figure out where a TV would best fit. We plan on replacing the 60s shag carpeting with hardwood so the dining table won't seem so odd there. Around that fireplace corner is a pocket door to the kitchen, and the length of the room is roughly 23, the width is 13 at its shortest wall. And it's almost 23 feet in the back. Any ideas would be appreciated. Thanks, Tarina. All right, Tarina, let me paint the picture for our listeners who cannot actively see your pictures. So it is kind of this sunken living room space. You step down a few steps and you get to this L-shaped space. And, um, you know, an L-shape can be tricky because it's at once open concept and needs to function for multiple activities. It looks like you want to dine in here. It looks like it's kind of an entryway. Of course, it's got the fireplace and a living area. And I really like what you have done with the sectional in terms of using the back of the sectional to help break up the space. Now, when you're creating a layout for the space, what you want to think about is you want to start with those priority zones. In this case, it sounds like the priority zone for you would be the TV viewing and the comfortable seating. And you want to move those two pieces around the room, weighing the pros and cons of every possible relationship. Now, the trick for you in this space and for so many people in open concept living is you do not have parallel walls. When you blow out all the walls, when the rooms are so open, you lose opportunities for that good parallel TV viewing. It's gracious living. I can see everyone. It feels so organic and open. But the problem is that I can't easily see TV because I want the TV to be in close proximity to my sofa and I want it to be right across from me, which necessitates a parallel wall because nobody wants to walk behind your TV and see all your cords and all that gunk. Now, you have a fireplace, which is the architectural focal point of this room. So it looks strange when the sofa is negating the architectural focal point. In other words, when the back of the sofa, when the side of the sofa is blocking the view from the fireplace, when you can't see the fireplace from the primary piece of seating, which in this case is the sectional. And that is why so many people mount their TV above the fireplace, because then you get the two focal points in one glance. Now, we all know that the problem with that is that makes your TV very high. So when you do that, your TV is very high, meaning that it's kind of like sitting in the front row of a movie theater. You have to crick your neck to see your show. Or I hope that you have a very deep space, so that way when you're sitting further back, eye level can be adjusted upward, more like you're sitting in the middle of a movie theater looking at the screen, which is, of course, much more comfortable. Now, in your case, You have so many windows in addition to this beautiful open concept layout. And we don't generally want to block a window with the TV. And the reason is because when you're watching TV, you can even apply this to when you're working at a computer screen. You don't want a source of light right behind you so that you're staring at the light, you're staring at the light bulb while you're looking at the TV. It's not restful for your eyes and it makes it hard to see your shows. It makes it hard to see what you're working on in the laptop. Uh, that's why I don't generally face a desk directly out the window, especially if it's west facing and you're working in the afternoon. That sun is going to pretty much blind you as you're working and make it very hard to see the screen. 
I think in your case, as I'm looking around this room, you truly only have a couple of parallel walls. I think in your case, the TV belongs either beside the fireplace or above the fireplace, in other words, on that shared focal wall, or it belongs right where you have it, in the space between the L shape, where the L bends by the dining area and kind of bleeds into that living area. I think you've cracked the nut, but I would be more inclined to make the living area larger. You've put the sectional roughly in the middle of the room to make it closer to the TV, which is on that back wall. And I probably think in this case, it would be a good idea to mount the TV above the fireplace since you do have that good depth or to put it right next to the fireplace because you appear to have some extra wall there. The fireplace is offset to one corner and it appears that on the left-hand side, you have some space where you could mount the TV and potentially even put a small cabinet with your implements. So that could feel really good as well and then enlarge the living space. Now, when you do mount a TV above the fireplace, in addition to depth, you want to also make sure that when you're drilling in to the wall, that you don't punch through the flue, that you don't create any holes. So sometimes you need to do an external piece of wood and find a different way to mount that. For instance, building out the fireplace a little bit so that you lose that mantle, but that you're drilling into that wall that you've built out so that you don't punch through the flue, creating a hole, which will create a very expensive repair job. So, Tarina, I hope that helped. I love having you guys join me. Kyle, I'm so glad that you're here. Let me see what letter is next. My next letter comes from Julia Luca. Julia Luca, you write, I am binge listening to your podcast and I have read your book. I devoured it in less than a day. Anyway, I am stuck on pinpointing my style. I know I want a casual feel, but I don't know what style I like. I like the simple furniture of mid-century modern, but not really the colors or the patterns or the lamp styles. I like the bohemian style, but not necessarily the cluttered layered look. I like parts of Native American tribal style, but also Southwestern style, or are they the same? But I do not want too rustic. No cow skulls or wagon wheels. I am so confused. I want you to tell me what style I should be going for, please. Thank you for all that you do. I love your podcast. Now, Julia, I could look at your pictures. I could see what inspires you. But what I think is more important is that you find it for yourself. Because that way, when you're shopping, you'll instantly recognize that, yes, this piece matches what I like. Yes, this piece personifies what I call X style. So it's really important. And when I'm asking my clients, what is your style? I don't actually think about what they're telling me as their true style because most of my clients will put contemporary, but they don't know what that means. Some of my clients will put traditional and they have no idea what traditional truly looks like. So instead, I'm wanting to go deeper than the label. I'm wanting to understand what traditional means to them. So rather than asking them, what style do you like? I'll ask, do you like this kind of element? Do you like this kind of color palette? Because even though there are true definitions of every style, sometimes we don't know them or we don't feel familiar enough with them to say, I really don't like this style, but I like this one. It's just like the other day I had a client and they said, Betsy, I really do not like the color gray. And yet, when they showed me their inspiration pictures, there was a lot of gray in there. So I said to them, I said, you know what? You mentioned that you don't like the color gray. 
got it. What color would you say is in these pictures? And let me tell you, as a color authority, it was gray. But they said, oh, those are muted blues. And I was like, oh, okay. So they're like, it's kind of a slate blue. Now, really, it was gray. But they're calling it slate blue, and it let me see what I could choose for them. So the semantics are really just a place to get from A to B, but it's what appeals to you. So find that through line. And Julia, if you're working in a big house, what you can do is you can make different rooms personify different styles. So for instance, my living room is very mid-century modern. It's got a lot of those exact elements. But then in the dining room, I've transitioned slightly, and it's got contemporary elements, contemporary dining chairs, contemporary table within a mid-century hutch. So you can kind of blend and forge as you go, and you can use those different leanings in different ways. So for instance, the bedroom might be a perfect place to embrace a little bit of that bohemian look that you're going for, whereas you might want to keep that out of the family room. Just an idea, but lock in on that two-word phrase. One word is the style of the space. The other word is how you want to feel in the space. And stay consistent with that and stay consistent to what it means for you. Not for me, because I'm trying to please you. So find your own definitions. Find your own style. Use that formula. I have a question from Kyle. Kyle writes, Betsy, I have acquired another set of matching easy chairs. What do you think of a sofa-free living room? I'm not a fan, but have you seen it done awesomely? No, I haven't seen it done awesomely. Most living rooms or even family rooms do have a sofa. The problem with not having a sofa is that, you know, generally people want to seat at least three, four people. Anywhere from three to six is typically the answer for my clients in their living space. And I don't want it to look like a chair showroom. I want it to look like it has a diverse type of furniture um, because the whole point of interior design is contrast. If I have all chairs, well, then that's not very much contrast. If I have some big seating and some small seating, that's that contrast I'm going for. So even if it's a love seat, a two-seater versus all one-seaters, I think, is a really nice departure and a better look. Now, if you were designing a den or a smaller space, or if it's a very tiny living room, well, you could just do chairs. But I think it is weird to not have a sofa in your main living area, and I hope that helped. All right, let me get to my very last question before I hop off for today. Joyce writes, Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast, Big Design, Small Budget, and I have several questions for you that I hope you can answer. I've always been drawn to a canopy bed. I was wondering if you had any tips on where to shop and how to build a room around it. All right, so let me answer that first question first. Yes, I love canopy beds from Z Gallery, from Wayfair. There's some good canopy beds on Pottery Barn Teen. These are all good places for canopy beds. Overstock has some nice canopy beds. Uh, Check our house because when you think canopy beds, that's more of a transitional or traditional style, even though there are some contemporary canopy beds. I think at like room and board, they have some fun ones and colors, but it's more of a transitional or traditional style. So check more transitional or traditional stores. Next question. Also, there are classic pieces in interior design that I can look to invest in in a master bedroom similar to classic items like a wardrobe such as a trench coat, red lipstick items that will also be timeless. Okay, okay, so here we go. You mentioned that right now you feel like your family is in limbo since you're going to move again in five years to your forever home. 
So it's not really about those timeless pieces. It's about pieces that will easily move with you to your next space, Joyce. And I love that you're thinking ahead, especially in a master bedroom, because a lot of those pieces can go with you. They don't tend to get a lot of wear and tear because you're not really entertaining, in general, too many people in a bedroom. So nightstands are a perfect place to spend a little bit more money in an investment piece that maybe you're going to like for years to come. So maybe that's what you mean by timeless. I would recommend doing a nightstand that's 20 inches wide or less. That will generally always go with you. I would recommend a queen size bed versus a king. It will generally always go with you. I think an armoire is something that would not be a good investment because different spaces have different amounts of closet space. So you may find in your next space you're going to have so much closet space you would never need an armoire. And those are pricey items that people don't always use again. Um, A rug... Under a queen size bed, six by nine is perfect. Under a king size bed, you do eight by 10 or eight by 11. So that's something you could spend a little bit more money on, knowing that it will always translate with you. Um, And then of course, a dresser. Long low dressers don't always go with you if you're moving to an apartment, but tall dressers can almost always work. So go ahead and invest in a tall dresser and I think that you will easily be able to use that for years to come. Let me get to your very last point. You'd like to invest in a few pieces in your master bedroom that would be most transferable and you're wondering about my thoughts. Well, Joyce, I answered that. I'm so glad I could answer these things for you. Um, Keep writing in with these questions. I love them. Send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com and I will catch you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.